And I'm Megan, and this is Runner Girls Podcast. A podcast? Two women <laughs> about running. This is... <laughs> a podcast about women brought together by a love of running. <laughs> oh, good lord. <laughs> That's all right. You weren't looking at the words like I am. <laughs> um, but yeah, we're back, and we are ready to talk about more nutrition stuff. But first, how you doing, Megan? I'm good. Really Good. Good. It feels so good to be talking to you again. It does, yeah. We actually just recorded the last episode, so nothing much new has been happening <laughs> since then. But it is good to be talking to you again, and I think this is going to work out really well with us recording once a month, but recording two episodes at once. That way I feel like people will get to hear us a little more often, and we can kind of go a little bit more in depth on each of these topics that we're talking about which is also good, um, but it doesn't put extra stress on us, which is also good. Yes. So, anything else you want to catch up on before we get into the nutrition stuff? I don't think so. Okay. All right. Well, um, here's something. My son's graduating this week. <laughs> no. No. Yes. No. Yeah, I know. It's it's all coming up too fast for me. Like, I, I'm not prepared for any of this graduation or college stuff. But it's happening, so it's happening. <laughs> oh, um, get this! So I did the math. We since we started this podcast in 2012, yeah, we've been doing this podcast for over 20 percent of my life. Wow, really? Because it's been six years, and I'm 28. Oh, okay, that's what you mean. <laughs> I thought you meant like the the past that we've been recording was 20 percent of your life. I'm like, what? <laughs> No, but I mean, just since we've known each other for yeah. the podcast. That's true, because you're a baby. <laughs> yeah, that's that's crazy, 20%. Well, because wow. I was thinking about Ethan, and I was like, he's, but he's still little. It's like, he was in middle school. No, he's not. He's graduating high school. And he's not little. He's, he's like, taller than all of us. He's... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, I know. But in my mind, he's still like, he's like my little boy, you know, so it's hard to let go of that mommying instinct that I have. You know how mommy I am, like over everything. I just want to like, make sure everybody's taken care of. Um, But yeah, it's hard to let go of that. And, and I think just giving him more responsibilities and more freedom has helped a lot with that mindset. And um, it's hard because now I'm getting to the place where I have to start doing that for Anna too. And I don't want to, <laughs> but she's turning 15. Like she deserves some, she deserves to have a social life. You know, she deserves to be, to learn independence. It's just, um, it's hard. You don't have to deal with that though. Thank God. Right. <laughs> no, but I do think like when my kids go on, I have a couple kids who are like going to be 10th graders or they're going to high school and I think about that same thing and I'm like they're leaving me mm. like the kids I teach mm-hmm. so I kind of get it yeah it's kind of it's kind of like that all right let's talk about going off of what we talked about in the last episode we're going to talk about some specific diet and exercise routines and some tips and tricks for weight loss and uh, muscle growth. So as we said on the last episode, we want to 
continue to reiterate to always consult your doctor before beginning any diet or exercise routine, um, if nothing more than to rule out any underlying medical conditions that could compromise your health. So definitely check with your doctor. Um, So diet protocols. You know, on the last episode, we, we mentioned we were basically just talking about the overall idea of losing weight maintaining weight, gaining weight, based on calories in, calories out. Um, That, I believe, holds fairly true across most ways of eating. And I say most because, in my experience, gaining weight on keto mm -mm, didn't happen. (laughs) So, um, but for the most part, I think that holds true. But there are different ways of accomplishing a goal, different types of eating that can be effective. Um, There are lots of diet plans out there, lots of different ways of eating. If you want to be someone who is more plant-oriented and you consider yourself vegetarian or vegan, you can accomplish any type of weight goal without eating animal meat or animal products. Um, It's a little trickier, I think, to make sure that you're getting enough protein. but it definitely can be done. So let's talk about some of the different different protocols. Um, you know, I've talked a, a, quite a bit in the past about um, being on a keto or low-carb diet, and I think that it's effective for weight loss in as much as any other diet is. It's very helpful for losing water weight, I can tell you that for sure. I'm really good at dropping a few pounds of water weight and then staying at one weight for a long time. Um I just prefer it for health reasons and because I love fat, <laughs> um, eating fat, dietary fat. But yeah, there's there's lots of other things. Um, paleo is is similar in some ways to keto in that it is more, it tends to be more low carb simply because you're cutting out a lot of processed food, which tends to be higher in carbohydrates. So paleo diet basically consists of eating things that are considered what a paleolithic person would eat. So eating a lot of fruits and vegetables, eating things that are found in nature, um, eating animal meats. Um, Dairy, I think, is something that may or may not be off limits for paleo. I'm not specific on that. I know it's a, I think it's considered processed in some ways. So I think there are probably people who eat like raw dairy and consider themselves paleo. I don't know enough about that to say, and I think there are some issues with certain nuts, um, legumes. I'm not sure about that. I'm not informed enough about paleo. I try to eat more, I would say, a paleo style of keto and that I try to eat less processed foods in general. And we did talk about that a little bit on the last episode, but uh, I, I, I tend to, you know, being ketogenic restrict my fruit intake, for example. Um, I don't eat as much fruit as someone on a paleo diet might eat um, because I, I think it's high in sugar and the sweetness just causes cravings for me. But you can lose weight eating paleo and you can gain weight eating paleo. So Megan, are there any um, types of eating that you would like to talk about specifically? I was thinking of Whole30 because we didn't mention it and it kind of goes along with the paleo and the keto. Okay. So I don't know much about that. Can you tell me about it? Okay, so Whole30 gets out, um, I know it's no processed sugar, um, 
let me double check and look it up because I've never done it, but I've heard about it because I can't do a lot of restrictive stuff Mm -hmm. just because that's the way I am. So you don't consume added sugar, real or artificial. So that's like no syrup, honey, Splenda, anything like that. Mm -hmm. No alcohol. You can't eat any grains, no legumes. So no peas, no beans, no peanuts, no peanut butter, no soy sauce, no tofu. You can't eat dairy. So what what can you eat? Is it just like fruits, vegetables, meats, that kind of thing? Yes. So you can eat clarified butter, fruit juice, green beans, snap peas and snow peas, vinegar, salt. So I'm assuming you can eat lots of just meat and vegetables, potatoes. It does sound like it's very paleo based. Yes. And they do it and you do it for 30 days and it's kind of like a reset to kind of get you back to eating better. And I'm sure our listeners can, there's probably some, I know Gracious Warrior Princess, she's a runner. Yep. She's doing Whole30 for June. Nice. So it's basically 30 days of Whole Foods, I would guess. Yes. Great. It sounds like a great protocol for just cutting out processed food and getting onto just a healthy way of eating in general. I like those um, 30-day type challenges, you know, because it, it's not like you're in this mindset of like, this is how I'm going to eat for the rest of my life and, and have that. I feel like if, if you're saying like, no more of this thing in my life again ever, that's depressing. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. even I, like, I'm on a restrictive diet, I would say, but I don't want to say no, I'm never going to have ice cream again. You know, I'm never going to have beer again. I think um, a challenge is good for you to reset your body in that way, but not feel like you're depriving yourself forever. And it's it's good to learn um, moderation, I guess. Yeah. And it kind of helps you realize you can live without those things if you were to go on a diet, I think. Yes. True. That's good. Another one that's um, popular with like bodybuilders is if it fits your macros. And it's basically what we talked about on the last episode. It's calories in, calories out, but you can eat pretty much whatever you want if it fits your macros. So ideally, if you want to be healthy, you would be eating a mostly healthy diet, but not restricting yourself in any way. So you know, focusing on whole foods, healthy foods, nutrient-dense foods. But if you want to treat yourself, if it fits into your macros, go for it. So that's another option. If you don't want to restrict any any one food group from your life, um, carnivore diet is uh, an example of a keto diet. It is an animal product only diet. So basically the opposite of vegan. <laughs> Uh, This is something that I've been interested in just because I really, really love eating animal meats and I feel like I could eat that forever and still be happy. And as far as, I guess, nutrient wise, um, there's a lot, you know, there are smarter people than me that could speak on this, but basically you can get almost all of your your nutrients from animal meat without any vegetables. But um but yeah, you know, if you're interested, look research it for yourself. Eating organ meats is basically the trick. So if you're willing to eat 
all of the animal, <laughs> um, you're going to get all the nutrients because the liver is loaded with nutrients. And that's, that's probably why I really can't commit myself to eating that way. I'm a little, I don't know how I feel about eating liver or brains or heart or tongue. <laughs> um, but I'm a big fan of meat. And so I tend to lean more on the carnivore side of keto. Although I do eat, I do eat vegetables. I, and so I'm, I'm never going to, probably never going to be 100% carnivore. Um, let's see, lean gains. Lean gains is it's a diet and exercise program that incorporates some intermittent fasting. So we've talked a little bit in the past about intermittent fasting. It's basically giving yourself an eating window during the day and a fasting period. Most of the fasting is done while you're sleeping. So if you're a man, you would do a 16-8 fasting period. So it would be 16 hours of fasting. Most of those, like you would start your fast after dinner, uh, hang out for a few hours, go to bed, sleep eight to 10 hours. Well, that's me. I would sleep eight to 10 hours. Most people probably sleep less than that. Um, And then wake up in the morning, maybe skip breakfast. Then you would break your fast. And you would follow a specific macronutrient amount as well, like as we discussed on the last episode, based on whether you're gaining weight, losing weight, or maintaining your weight. Um, So you can find out more about that at leangains.com. But um, that's something that I've looked into in the past. They tend to recommend too steep of a cut for me and too many carbs. <laughs> um, so I, I wanted it in, in the sense that I wanted to gain muscle mass. And so I looked into it for that reason. But um, diet wise, it really doesn't work for me. And there's also a lifting protocol. They have specifics on that too. I'm not, I'm not really sure on the specifics of the lifting. Um, intuitive eating. We talked about this on the last uh, episode, Megan, this is what you tend to do just kind of eat to where you feel full and then stop eating. Yep. And um, it's taken me a while, too, because I kind of grew up where you finish what you have and you don't waste food. Yes. You know, and so it's taken me a while to be like, just because it's there, it doesn't mean you have to eat it. And it means, too, that I put smaller portions on my plate. And then if I want more because I'm still hungry, then I will get more. But I'm not forcing myself to eat just because it's there. Right. That's a good point. I have that mentality, too. And I think. For me, a lot of the issue is I grew up pretty poor. Um, We were on welfare. Um, We had government food. And so a lot of times we just didn't have enough to eat. And I felt hungry a lot. And so as an adult, being able to buy as much food as I want and eat all the food I want, that's what I tend to do. And I don't really have an off switch. That's, that's the issue. Like, and I think that's why intermittent fasting is helpful for me specifically, because once I start eating, it's hard for me to stop. So if I limit the amount of eating I do per day, and push it later in the day, um, it's easier for me to control my total intake. Because if I start eating first thing in the morning, and tend to want to eat all day, I'm going to eat a lot more than if I'm eating from like noon to six or whatever. So um, yeah, so intuitive eating, like I said on the last episode, I I tried it. I I think if I can find a way to do keto intuitively, that would be the best. That would probably be the best protocol for me. And I think that's what I'm working on right now. Um, But uh, there is a book 
called intuitive eating, which I've read, and it's very great. And it talks about just getting out of that restrictive mindset and allowing yourself to eat what you want and allowing yourself to eat until you're full and honoring your body (laughs) in that way. And I think that's a really, it's a really healthy mindset because I think a lot of us have learned unhealthy eating habits like you talked about, Megan, just, you know, just the idea of you need to clean your plate. Dieting specifically reinforces unhealthy habits in some way, uh, in some ways. So it can be really great for breaking some some habits and, and thinking about your relationship with food, which I think is, is definitely worth pursuing. All right. Um, any other diets that you can think of that we haven't really talked about that you think are, that people would be interested in hearing about? I can't think of any more. Okay. I'm just trying to think of like, what have I done in the past? So like there's like Atkins or South Beach or different types of low carb diet. So Atkins is like basically a very different form. I would say it's a very different form of keto. It's basically keto, but there's a lot more. He allows a lot more um, processed foods than than I would go with. Um, And then um, South Beach is more of a high glycemic, low glycemic type of thing where you're there is a there is a carbon take, but it's focusing more on whole grains and um, more starchy forms of carbohydrate, like starchy vegetables, and that I think is to to cut down on the on the processed carbohydrates, which I which I think is also a great way to go. Um, I can't think of anything else. I'm sure there's so many diets out there and so many different ways of eating. So I would definitely say, as we said, talk with your doctor see what your doctor recommends for you based on your health. Um, but yeah, it, it, as long as you're free to experiment, try try different things, see what works for you. And if you have something that you'd like to share with us, I'm sure we'd love to hear about it and to hear about your experiences. So let's talk about specifics regarding tips and tricks for boosting fat loss and for boosting muscle synthesis which is a fancy way of uh, saying boosting muscle growth. A lot of this is stuff that I've been learning about lately, listening to different podcasts and um, doing a lot of research in general on, on different techniques for fat loss and for muscle growth. So for fat loss, one of the easiest things I think that you can be done is to just substitute water for all of your beverages. Because if you're only drinking water, you're not consuming additional calories in your drinks. I think it's it's simple, it's easy to do, and it's the easiest way to just cut out calories before changing anything else about your diet. I've actually like recently started drinking uh, seltzer water or sparkling water, which I used to not like in the past because I was so used to drinking soda um, or energy drinks, which are terrible. Um, I don't think they're terrible, but they're they can be added calories. So seltzer water is a great alternative because all it is is carbonated water and maybe some flavor. There's no sweetener of any kind. There's not usually any sodium or anything else added to it. I like it because the carbonation helps to make me feel more full. And so I don't feel like, like if I'm just bored, sometimes I eat out of boredom. Do you do that? Um, Yes. So like that can help to like satisfy my urge to put something in my belly for, you know, if I'm not legitimately hungry, I think that's a, that's a great thing to do. Just drink water. If you, if you're not sure if you're hungry, drink a glass of water, wait a little bit, 
and then see how you feel. You still hungry? Okay, go eat something. Are you satisfied now? Maybe you were just thirsty. Sometimes I feel like I confuse thirst and hunger too. Also, cold water specifically. I read that drinking cold water actually can boost your metabolism more than drinking like room temperature water. So colder water, your body actually has to warm it up. And so it it burns a little bit of energy. I don't think it's a lot. I don't think it's going to make a huge difference. But if over time you're consistently drinking more cold water, um, it could could boost your metabolism a little bit. Um, Adding in cardio. So we talked about this a little bit on the last episode. Running is a great form of cardio as is, you know, swimming, biking. There's so many different things you can do. Just walking, getting out there, hiking are all great for burning a few extra calories. And I say a few extra because if you run a mile, that burns about 100 calories for the average person. For me, it's like 70. So it doesn't make a huge difference. Like 70 calories, that's not even a cookie, you know? Um, And I I remember um, using Smash Run, it will tell you like when you do a run, how much food, how many calories that burns, how much food that would be, like a donut or a piece of salmon or something, remember? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so cardio can help you to burn some calories, but unless you're doing a ton of miles, it's probably not going to make that big of a difference and it can increase your appetite. So that's that's something to keep in mind if you want to just give yourself a little more freedom in your daily calorie limit, go out for a run. Um, it doesn't mean you can eat everything, <laughs> but it gives you a little more flexibility, especially if you're someone like me who's working on a really tight calorie budget. Let's see what else. Intermittent fasting I talked about a little bit. Basically, the idea behind fasting is that when you're not eating, your body is not creating insulin because there's no reason to. Insulin is the fat storage hormone. So the more you eat, the more constantly your insulin levels are higher, the more likely you are to store fat instead of burning fat. So if you if there's no food coming into your body, any activity you do, you're going to be burning energy that's already on you. The reason why we store fat is for energy. So if we're not utilizing that fat for energy, it's not going anywhere. So that's where intermittent fasting can come in because if you are, for example, going out about your day without eating breakfast, you know, maybe having a cup of coffee because you're not hungry yet. Jeff is one of those people who's just never hungry in the morning and so he doesn't eat breakfast. He just doesn't. And I'm not that way. (laughs) We're very different in that. Like he has this unbelievable ability to just eat until he's full and then stop eating. (laughs) And I'm like, oh, I wish I could do that. No, I can eat forever, like until like my stomach feels like it's about to burst. And that's only when I eat carbohydrates, I get I get that feeling. But like, I don't have like that on off. I'm not in tune with my body in the way that he just naturally is. But yeah, um, getting back to the intermittent fasting, there's a there's a bunch of different protocols um, that you could try. There's, as I mentioned, when we were talking about lean gains, the 16, 8, hour window. For women, I think lean gains, they promote a 14-10. So there's a like a slightly longer eating window for women. And I think the reason for that is that hormones are a tricky thing for women. 
They really are. If you do too much fasting, if you do too much restrictive eating, um, it can significantly alter your hormones. If you're at an energy deficit for a long period of time, your body tends to prioritize your survival over your reproduction, for example. So this is why women who have exercise-induced amenorrhea lose their periods because they're not getting in enough energy to sustain their level of activity and their body basically shuts down reproduction. Um, And some people say, oh, maybe it'd be better to not have a period. Um, Maybe. I don't want to be one of those people. (laughs) I I like my hormones to be the way that they are. I like them to be functioning properly. Um, And I, I don't think that's a healthy way to live. And, and I think that's why I tend to prefer a higher fat diet too is because fat is like so important for the functioning of your hormones. Cholesterol is huge with how your hormones are and, and how your moods are uh, affecting you. Like how you're, oh, it's all tied in together. I can't even get my words straight. Basically, do what's going to be healthy for you. I don't know enough about this to speak authoritatively. If you're going to try intermittent fasting, which I think is extremely effective for fat loss, do your research and find a healthy, sustainable way to do it. Um, boosting fat loss with meal timing. Well, as I talked before a little bit before about insulin, there are research articles to show that we have different insulin sensitivity levels throughout the day. Most people tend to be more insulin sensitive in the morning, which means that your body can tolerate a higher amount of insulin at a time than it can later in the day. Because you're more insulin sensitive in the morning and you're more insulin resistant at night, you might want to try having your higher carbohydrate meals in the morning and having your lower carbohydrate meals later in the day. And that way you're really optimizing when your body is going to be more receptive to having a higher insulin demand. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. I feel like a lot of this stuff is getting, it's getting really um, specific and really into like the nitty gritty of like how the body works and and ways to tweak things. Uh, Basically, as long as you're counting or tracking or eating to satiety, you're going to get the best results by just being aware of how you're eating. These are like specific things that you can do once you've got everything else dialed in. Um, let's see. Carb cycling. So this is for um, some people like to eat generally a low carb diet, but they like to increase their carbs for strength training or for exercise, you know, endurance exercise. I've done that before where I'll be mostly low carb, but then I'll carb up before a race. And I found that's been extremely effective for me for race performances in the past. And so that's something that you can play around with there. I have a link um, all, for all this stuff. Every all of the stuff I'm going to have links in the show notes, so you can go out and you know check out the scientific articles and and find out the specifics behind it. I don't know that much about carb cycling other than I've used it before and I like it just because I tend tend to prefer low carb in general. Right now I'm going for no carbs for performance reasons. Like I'm not. Um, I'm not taking carbs before my workouts or after my workouts. I'm not trying to replace any glycogen. Um, if I was doing more running, I might go back that way because I know, like I said, I know how well it works. 
But for right now, I, I'd rather not because I really would rather stay in ketosis. But that can be something that's extremely helpful if you're someone who wants to have a more balanced diet, but you want to take eat your carbohydrates when they're going to be most productive for your workouts. Um, green tea. Green tea has been shown to increase fat burning by as much as 33%, which is not insignificant. That's quite, that's quite a lot. So that's something that um, I've, I've done a little bit. I'm trying to cut out caffeine. So I I haven't been using green tea as much lately. But um, if you're someone who likes tea, go for it. You know, if you want to just try and burn a little more fat, and even if it doesn't help, the science says that it does. But even if it doesn't, it's not going to hurt. There's no calories in it. Um, Cold showers. Here we're getting into like, how much do you want to torture yourself? (laughs) Um, Cold showers have been shown to boost your brown adipose tissue. So this is basically you have brown fat and white fat. I don't know enough about this other than giving you what I know, which is very little. So um, if if you take cold showers, it's going to increase the brown fat, which apparently burns faster or burns more calories than white fat. I don't know. I've never seen what brown fat looks like. I don't know where on the body it is. I heard like stomach area is, um, it would basically boost your brown fat in your stomach. So you'd have increased uh, abdominal fat burning, which I think is great. Um, so I play around with this a little bit. You know, you don't have to do a lot. I normally prefer extremely hot showers. So what I do is I just gradually over the course of my shower, decrease the temperature slightly until I adjust to it and then decrease a little more and then decrease a little more until, oh my God, that's too cold. I need to get out. Um, so that's the way I do it. But but there are people, there's a guy out there named Wim Hof who is all about um, cold showers and cold thermogenesis and just how beneficial it is to stress your body in that way. So um, definitely something to look into if you're interested in um, torturing yourself. <laughs> what else? Where are we? Oh, vibration therapy. This is something that I I haven't really researched very much just simply because there isn't a ton of research on it right now. If you go to a major chain gym and they have one of those total body enhancement machines, it basically incorporates red light therapy and vibration therapy. So it has light bulbs. It's kind of like a tanning booth, only it's red light instead of UV light. And the red light is great for muscle growth. And we'll talk about that later. But the vibration is um, supposedly just to burn more calories. So it just vibrates your body. And my gym has one of these machines and I have used it. Um, I used it more for the red light than the vibration because I didn't think the vibration did anything until I started doing some research. And apparently there is some science to back it up. So I will include a link to that in the show notes as well. All right, so that's what we got so far on tips for boosting fat loss. To boost muscle synthesis, here are some more tricks. Um, Protein timing. So there's been a lot of research done on when you should be consuming your protein during the day for optimum muscle growth. And the popular scientific consensus right now is to just spread it out throughout the day. Your body generally prefers to have a moderate amount in each meal 
during the day, spread out over the course of the day. And I think that's just because you're constantly getting it in when your muscles need it. And so if depending on what your protein macronutrient amount is, then um, you'll get, I would say aim for like 20 to 40 grams per meal. Um, you know, 20 grams if you're on the smaller side, 40 grams if you're on the heavier side. And uh, fit it in however it fits into your macros. Just as long as you're getting some protein with each meal, you're going to boost your muscle synthesis. That's the best way to do that. Um, vitamin D from sun exposure promotes muscle synthesis. So I've really been trying to increase my vitamin D intake by eating a lot of fatty fish, but also from getting sun exposure. I try to get some every day. It doesn't always happen, but I try to increase this with um, tanning. So you can get, uh, if your gym, for example, is a major chain gym that has <laughs> tanning beds like mine is, um, that's another way to get a little more UV exposure and some vitamin D. And like I said, has been shown to promote muscle th- synthesis. Um, heat shock proteins. This is something that's totally out of my um, knowledge base, but I've been learning a little bit more about in the same way that cold showers, not in the same way, but similar to how cold showers can burn fat more, heat exposure can help to promote muscle growth. Sauna use, for example, after post-workout, like immediately after workout, it's the best time to go in a sauna because you're going to really optimize the heat shock proteins to boost that muscle synthesis for growth. Um, I don't have a sauna in my gym, (laughs) but like I said, I do have tanning beds and that is heat exposure. And so that's what I do immediately after my workout. That's when I get my vitamin D and that's when I get my heat exposure. Sleep. Sleep is so important. Well, it's important anyway for health. It's so important for health, but it's also really important for muscle growth. So when you are in the gym and you're working hard and you are stressing your body, your body doesn't grow until it recovers from that. So you need to get adequate amount of sleep to recover from your workouts. Um, I think eight hours a night is the minimum amount that I think we should aim for. I try to get as much as possible, whether it's nine or 10, I try, (laughs) doesn't always happen. I don't always get the eight, but, um, I just try to aim for at least that over time. And the more sleep you get, the better your recovery is going to be. And deep sleep is critical for recovery. Whereas the REM sleep is really great for, for mental recovery. So like if you have a mentally demanding job, if at the end of the day you have brain fatigue, you want to get more REM sleep and that kind of refreshes the mind. Whereas the, the deep sleep is what refreshes the body. So obviously you want both. (laughs) So get as much sleep as you can. Um, Post-workout massage, this has been shown to be effective treatment for delayed onset muscle soreness. We've talked about this before. Anything you can do to decrease your muscle soreness is going to help you to recover sooner, get back in the gym sooner, work harder. It's all about working out and recovering. So uh, I'm a big fan of massage. If you can get someone to do it for you, I think that's best. (laughs) But if you can't, get a stick. We've talked about that before. 
foam roller. Um, there are all different kinds of things that you can do to get into those knots and muscles and, and to help to prevent that, that muscle soreness. So um, that's huge. All right, supplements. The one thing that I found in my research on supplements is creatine. Creatine is like so commonly accepted as it's effective for helping to increase muscle gain because it helps to increase your performance. What creatine does is, well, first of all, it's something that our body creates naturally um, and we can consume it in food. So meat, for example, red meat especially, has creatine in it. And so it would be something that's part of your normal diet. But the amount of creatine for optimization, you'd have to eat several pounds of meat a day, which if you're on a carnivore diet totally easy. For most people, probably not going to (laughs) happen. So supplementing with creatine can really help to boost the levels of creatine in your muscles. And what it does is it it gets stored in your muscle and it holds onto water in the same way that like fat holds onto water. So if you increase your carbs and you retain water, most of that water is going to go in your fat cells. Whereas if you are using creatine, that's your muscles filling up with water. So it's good because it gives you a nice pump, but also it helps you perform better on your next workout in the gym. And I've been using that a little bit. Your weight will go up because you are holding onto water, but like I said, it's intramuscular water instead of intra-fat water. So just something to think about if you really do want to work harder in the gym and, and boost your muscle synthesis. Oh, and it's also safe. I don't know if I mentioned that yet. There's been so many studies on creatine and it's like so commonly accepted that it's it's definitely safe to use. As always, do your own research so you'll know for yourself, but we'll include links for that. Um, intermittent fasting. We talked about this for fat loss. Also helpful for muscle growth, which you wouldn't think because you do need to consume extra calories to grow muscle. But intermittent fasting has been shown to boost your natural human growth hormone level significantly, like a lot. Like if you're fasting, you can boost it by like 300%, depending on how long you're fasting for. The trick is to make sure that in your eating window, you are taking in enough calories to support muscle growth. So you're not eating at a deficit. You are going to build muscle. But if you, for example, do your fasting window overnight, go to the gym in the morning, train fasted, and then break your fast after your workout, that's really taking advantage of when your human growth hormone is going to peak, which is very early in the morning. Um, So yeah, human growth hormone has been shown to increase muscle mass. If you are supplementing with it, that's not legal, probably not safe to do, but naturally you can boost your your growth hormone levels by incorporating intermittent fasting and also exercise. Just exercise in general has been shown to boost human growth hormone, so um, something else to, to look into. So I think that wraps up the boosting muscle growth. Do you have any thoughts on any of that, Megan? No. There's a lot that's just really detailed in there. Yeah. Try stuff out because you may not like all of it. And no. You may realize that it's not worth it. Right. I'm not saying like you need to do yeah. this to, to gain muscle. I'm not <laughs> saying you need to do this to lose weight. I'm saying here are some things that could help if you want a little extra 
and do the research and, and decide if it's worth it or if you want to, you know, if you're interested. Um, all right. Weight plateaus. This is something that happens <laughs> a lot, especially if you're a woman, is uh, you're, you're following an eating plan, you're doing everything you're supposed to, you're probably losing weight at first, but all of a sudden it just stops and then doesn't start again, even though you're doing everything right. This is what we call a plateau, where it just doesn't change. And so what you would want to do in that situation is to check your TDEE, your total daily energy expenditure, and find out if anything's changed. Has your weight gone down? Maybe your TDEE has gone down. Um, Has your activity level changed? Also, your menstrual cycle can affect your weight because of water retention. I found that my I have two periods during the month. No, I don't have two periods during the month. Let me rephrase that. There are two periods during the month where I tend to retain more water, and that is during ovulation and then right before my period. And those times I either don't lose any weight or my weight goes up. And that's because of water gain. And sucks because you know as a woman you really can't avoid that <laughs> but just know that it's normal it happens and it will you know go away the, the water will go down again so um that's something to keep in mind if you're you know if it's been like several days and you're not seeing any any change on the scale that it could be water retention that's affecting it weightlifting can also cause water retention um Increasing your carbohydrate intake, if you've been eating more carbohydrates than you normally would, that would cause some water retention. Salt, also, your body needs water to hold on to salt. They kind of go together, salt and water, like buddies in your body. So if you increase your salt intake, you're probably going to be holding on to more water as a result. If you increase your activity, you can have water retention from that just by starting a new exercise routine. Something else to check out, are you sleeping enough? Are you drinking enough water? (laughs) Water's big. (laughs) The body really depends on water and tries to maintain a specific water balance, electrolyte balance. So that's something that really will affect your weight. And you may be losing fat, but not be losing weight on the scale. And it's just it's just water or it could be muscle gain. Um, So that's why you'd want to take measurements, um, see how your clothes are fitting, because even if the weight on the scale isn't changing, you could still be losing body fat or gaining muscle. And so just take a look at how your clothes are fitting. Are your pants looser? Are they tighter? Measurements are helpful depending on you know, where you are body weight wise, I think the leaner you get, the less helpful measurements are. But if you've, you know, if you've got a substantial amount of like abdominal fat, for example, measurements can be extremely helpful to tell if you're still losing weight, even if your, even if your weight hasn't changed. Um, as we said before, progress photos, those are helpful because even if your measurements aren't changing, even if the scale isn't changing, Visually, you could be making changes, and and I have some proof of that. So just keep in mind that weight loss isn't linear. There's going to be ups and downs, even if you're doing everything right. You know, I've lost quite a bit of weight in the past. I've, I would, you know, I've been pregnant three times and I gained pro- probably about 65, 70 pounds with each pregnancy. And I've, I've had to work hard to lose a lot of that weight. And 
I can tell you, even when you're doing everything right, there's going to be days when you plateau. There's going to be days when the weight goes up. It's not, it doesn't go straight down. And I don't think anybody has linear weight loss progress, unless like that one guy who fasted for like a year and lost like 200 pounds or something. But that's that's the, <laughs> that's not the norm. The norm is that weight loss is a is a bumpy line. It's not a straight line going down, especially if you're a woman. Oh, and the whoosh. There's a whoosh effect. So um, for women, if you are sticking to your weight loss plan and things aren't going, um, don't seem to be going anywhere, just hang in there as long as you're doing everything right. You might have one day you wake up and there's three pounds gone overnight and you're like, how did that happen? That is called a whoosh and it is real and it happens. It's happened to me. So anything you'd like to add on plateaus? I was going to say, too, if you use an app like Libra to track your weight every day, it'll give you an overall trend and you can see whether overall you're going up or down. So if you fluctuate a lot, you can see and it'll track it for you. Right. So it kind of evens out the the ups and downs and shows you over time whether your weight's going up or down, right? Yes. So if you feel like you aren't seeing progress or the scale isn't moving as fast, you can see that in the past three weeks you have lost overall. That is actually, that's a really great tip. And we will throw a link to that in there too. I like that. Libra app. All right. Um, So I think that covers the nutrition side of things. So we'll talk a little bit on lifting routines. I'd say the, 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 best thing you can do starting out if you're a beginner to lifting is to get a trainer if at all possible. Um, maybe I'm a little biased considering I'm studying to become a personal trainer, but if you're going to learn to lift weights, it's really, really important that you learn the proper form because you don't want to lift weights with muscle imbalances in proper form. You're going to run into all kinds of problems and set yourself up for an injury. So if it's, if it's possible, definitely look into getting a trainer to show you what the lifts are, how to do them right, and to make sure that your form is right. Because even if you're, you know, trying to look up a YouTube video to see how to do it properly, which was my method, um, you, you can't really look out, look at yourself while you're doing it. I mean, you can look in a mirror, but that's not going to give you the whole picture. So it really helps to have a second set of eyes to tell you, you know, you're, you're bending your back too much, or you need to place your weight more on the balls of your feet or whatever, you know, just to give you those tips and, and, and pointers on correct form and to make sure that you're not going to hurt yourself when you get up to a heavier weight. And also it'll help you from having to deload and lower your weight after you've made all this progress because the only reason you're lifting heavier weights is because you're doing it wrong. Because it's hard to look at yourself and be like, I think I'm doing it. And then somebody from outside is like, no, you need to go lower or you need to hold your hands this way. And it's hard for us to see that perspective. Absolutely. So when you are starting out with your lifting routine, um, ideally, you should learn the major compound lifts like squats, deadlifts, overhead press, bench press. If you're you know, completely new and you have very little muscle mass, 
there are variations, body weight variations. You can do variations with dumbbells, but you want to do those types of lifts where you're engaging a lot of muscles at once. It's really going to be the most effective type of strength training because you're hitting a lot of the major muscle groups at once and you're strengthening your body you know, from a holistic point, you know what I mean? Like the whole thing, your core is really going to be engaged. So definitely look at whole body lifts for strength training because it's it's really going to be the most effective in targeting more muscles at once and being a good utilization of time, I think. But like I said, make sure you're doing them with proper form. Get a trainer if you can. Um, accessory work. So once you get into you know, you, you have a specific muscle that you really want to work on. For me, I'm working on specifically on my, uh, my shoulders and my glutes. For isolating specific muscles, you're going to want to look at different accessory exercises. So, for example, I do lateral raises, um, lifting my arms out to the sides with dumbbells. And this is really, really targets my side delts the outside of my shoulders more than an overhead press would or a bench press would. Um, it's it's really just kind of adding the icing onto the cake, I guess, if, you, if there's a specific muscle that you want to work on to boost growth in that area. So, and there's all types of different exercises you can do for accessory work. You know, you can use machines at the gym, you can use dumbbells, you can do body weight exercises. Dips are great for shoulders, for example. Kettlebells, that's another option. All different types of stuff. So play around with it, see what you enjoy doing, see what muscles you want to work on, and uh, and have fun. Um, if you are completely lost <laughs> with uh, weight training and you want to find just a simple beginner routine to follow, um, some of the very popular routines for beginners are starting strength, strong lifts, keto gains if you're keto oriented like I am. Thinner, leaner, stronger is a women oriented workout program. Um, and then strong curves is another women oriented workout program. Strong curves tends to be more lower body glute focused. So if you really want to build that booty, that's that, that's the one most women choose for that reason. And any of these programs are really going to help with hitting the compound lifts. And then um, a lot of these programs have accessory work as well. So really to um, help with the whole body muscle gain and improvement, if that's what you're going for. Full body routines like starting strength, strong lifts, strong curves. These are routines where you're going to work basically your whole body and you're going to do it probably about three days a week with a rest day between. This is ideal for someone who's a beginner because as a beginner, you can work out more often than somebody who's more experienced. And the reason for this is what they call newbie gains which means your body is still learning these movements. And as a result, like you're going to have a lot of improvement over a short amount of time. Whereas as your body gets more dialed in to the movements and more adapted to the weights, it's going to take a, it's going to need more recovery also as you get into heavier weights. And so you won't be able to hit every body part as often as three times a week, you'll have to go to a different split. And so there are a few different body part splits. We're getting, we're getting really technical here. But for those who are interested, body part splits are for more intermediate lifters after you've been lifting a while. Um, there's a PPL, that's push-pull legs, 
where one day you'll do push-focused exercises like bench press or push-ups. Um, one day you'll do pull-focused exercises, which are like pull-ups or rows. Um, and another day you'll focus on legs. And so the way that works is you do, you know, three days of lifting in a row, one day pushing, one day pulling, one day legs, and then the next day will be a rest day. And then just repeat like that. And then another example is an upper lower body split. This is what I like to do because I like to be in the gym every day. So the first day I'll, wor I'll work upper body. The second day I'll work lower body. The third day will be a rest day. And then I will repeat. I, I just tend to prefer it that way because of the exercises that I like to do. It works, it works better for me. Um, to boost muscle growth, ideally you want to hit each muscle group at least twice per week. So that's why most of these splits, you can see that you'll be doing upper body at least twice a week. Push and pull, you'll be doing twice a week. The full body routines, you'll be doing three times a week. So twice a week, minimum for growth. Once a week, I think, is the minimum for maintenance. Let's see, hit each muscle you want to do for the compound lifts, about four to five sets of three to five reps. So these are heavy loads. Um, on accessory work, you're going to be doing lighter loads, three to four sets of eight to 12 reps. And then you want to rest at least a few minutes between each lifts. For the heavy lifts, compound lifts, you want to rest for at least three minutes, up to five minutes. And then for accessory work, one to three minutes, depending on you know, how hard it was for you and listen to your body. But um, the more rest time that you take, the better your recovery and the better you'll do on the next set. So that's the way I like to look at it. Some people say do minimal amount of rest to boost the pump, I guess, to boost that feeling like your muscles working hard. Uh, I prefer to take more rest <laughs> and to get as much volume in as I can for my plan. So in strength training, rest is just as important to lifting as it is to running because it's during the rest period that the muscles grow. So it's the it's the super compensation idea. You need the recovery to achieve the benefits of the workout. They go hand in hand. You need them both. So listen to your body and and know that if you're doing too much, it's okay to take a rest day just like it is with running. Yeah, you have to give your body time to recover so it can keep working hard, building muscles yes, and growing. Absolutely. So, wow, we covered a lot there. Wow, we went even way longer on this one. <laughs> so there's a lot there, but, you know, as we said before, check with your doctor, get a trainer if you can. It doesn't hurt to get wisdom from somebody who has experience with these things and can tell you things that you may or may not know or may or may not be able to see for yourself. Um, but that's some basic starting points for lifting and for fat loss and muscle growth. But yeah, if you have any thoughts or you'd like to know more, we can go in depth on some of these things um, in the future. There are some people that I'd love to interview about some of these topics, and hopefully we'll be able to set some of that up in the future. But yeah, email us. Let us know what you think. If you have any thoughts on any of this, if you'd like to know more, well, like I said, I'm, I'm new to a lot of this, so I can try and tell you what I know from what I've read, but it, it's always good to do the research and just experiment and, and find what works for you. All right, I think that wraps up our 
show for tonight. I don't know what we're going to talk about next time, but I'm sure it will be something interesting. (laughs) And I'm so excited, Megan, that you're going to be training for a marathon again, because I can't wait to talk about running. (laughs) Yay! Yes, I will have stuff to talk about, too, next time we talk. Yes, next time we talk, you will be out of school, and you'll be getting out there. Hopefully, the rain will be gone. (laughs) Yes. All right. All right. Well, then, until next time, um, we'll uh, we'll see you next time. I don't know. Okay. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Bye, everybody. Bye. If you want to share anything, comments, questions, or your runs, you can email us at runnergirlspodcast at gmail.com. Follow us at facebook.com slash runnergirlspodcast. Tweet to us at runnergirlsshow.com. Tag us on Instagram at Podcast or call the hotline at 207-200-3297. Download episodes at runnergirlspodcast.com, iTunes, and Stitcher. Thanks for listening. Now go outside and run.